When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. So, uh, thank you so much for hopping on TPQ20 with me tonight. Uh, we always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our fans and audience might be new to you. So uh, if you were to give the, uh, you know, the bio that Alice James books doesn't have, uh, who would you say you are? Okay. Uh, I would say that I am Willie Lee Kennard third. I am a self-taught illustrator. I am a church-grown musician. I am a poet by happenstance and by miracle, and most recently an educator forged in Newberry, South Carolina, that has a set of preoccupations about superstition, folklore, uh, surrealism, uh, and the Black way that people uh in the south move music hmm. yeah okay that gives us a lot to talk about so yeah. uh let's see um i uh let, let's start with the educator because uh because you said that's the newest piece to you i've been doing I, i've been a teacher for about uh, this is my 19th year so i've been doing this uh, doing that part a long time uh what are you uh what are you you teaching i actually saw i happened to see an instagram i believe post today uh uh, about uh, this being the last day in your classroom, I believe. So, uh, sure. so c- congrats for getting through any amount of teaching. That's always that's all you always uh, you know big claps for that. So, what were you teaching? Well, I just finished a semester at the University of South Carolina teaching English 102, which is their introduction to rhetoric and composition. Oh, uh, all right. You know, sometimes a, a little <laughs> tough. Uh, the students that I often get are. Uh, they're straight out of high school most of the time. They have AP exams and things. They've written essays, but they haven't perhaps thought about how sentence structure uh, affects someone's uh, intentions for how they speak to you mm-hmm. or how certain types of words are used to persuade you, uh, persuade you to like think things or get you anxious or frustrated or generally scared about like society. So we've been having a lot of conversations about like, you know, what makes someone moving as well as like, what makes this like bad writing or bad rhetoric or what's the logic <laughs> to make those things up? <laughs> Love that. So did you, uh, so it, was this your first, this was your first full semester then? This is my first full semester. Very cool. That's awesome. And are you, uh, are you excited or scared to go back for a second? 
I'm excited. I'm super excited. Uh, a little nervous. A little nervous. Uh, I <laughs> You're not quitting yet. So good. That's good. That's a good sign. You know, <laughs> I feel like I gotta do it at least twice to figure out whether I like I can stick with it. <laughs> um, I'm the type where like I'll try anything once, but if it didn't necessarily kick me out, I'm gonna try it again. <laughs> I don't now, was going. it was it something that you? I mean. So for me, like my mom, my mom just retired after 52 years in the classroom. So for me, I always, I always had an idea that I wanted to be like a, like a, you know, a high school teacher first, now a middle school teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Was your dream to become a college professor? Uh, and if not, how did that happen? And if it did, well done. Um, do you think you're the same person who wanted to be that professor early on as you are now? I think yes and no, but in a very different type of manner. Um, it was not my original like dream to be a college professor, but at the same time, it was one of my dreams to like teach and inspire people. Um, I grew up in the rural parts of South Carolina. Uh, some of my first introductions to poetry and storytelling and language uh, came through the church. Just okay. being flat out honest, yeah. Um, I remember being in kindergarten, and for some reason, I was very, very moved at the time uh on career day when they asked me what do you want to be when you grow up and i said i want to be a preacher oh, all right and so like, the the idea of it was less of like i wanted to actually like you know tell somebody how do you get to heaven as much as i wanted to be in conversation of leading things that we talk about and think mm. about um the ways that we use literature to kind of like support conversations of those things like what stories are like we using to kind of keep us like going, keep us motivated, things of the sort. I remember being a kid and I remember uh, hearing about Ezekiel and like everybody being completely moved by like uh, the prophecies that he kind of had, as well as like you know, like the, the 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 culture of being around folks that understood that there was a little bit more in the world than perhaps what you saw every day but whether like more than what people talked about i love the, the mysticism of that uh and after a while poetry kind of became the thing that held my questions and sometimes gave me answers back uh i kind I of like that a lot I, of free lesson <laughs> i like i like that answer. i was just i was just having a conversation with somebody the other day um so my my background in poetry is, is 16th mm-hmm. 19th century british poetry so i have a really like you know to a to a lot of to my lovely middle school students and high school students, it's the most boring stuff mm-hmm. in the world. But I got into it because I was I was never somebody I was uh, I come from a, a Jewish household, but we we're all non practicing. Um, my mom had cancer when I was when I was young. And uh, that kind of took me away from that belief in God at that time. So I was like, Okay, so I'm going to be an atheist. And my dad gave me the best advice ever. He, he told me if I was going to say that I was an atheist, I needed to first understand why and then study every other religion. So I knew how to talk with them about it instead of just saying, I don't believe. I needed to have those, like those actual conversations with people. Um, and I always found that really, really, really interesting because I love the world of, I think the world of tradition and religion, it's fascinating. I mean, oh my God, it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. some of the most deep and insightful stuff out there. Um, and I like the fact that the poets that came out of the, you know, the 1500s and 1600s, there was a good number of them who had come from the church and they left the church because they had questions. And so the, the poetry Mm -hmm. that they had became the conversation starters that maybe they, they couldn't have uh, for political reasons at the time, 
but it right. became kind of it became the conversation starters and i and i like that so did you and i talked to a lot of i've talked to a lot of poets who who kind of grew up in the church and that was you know the first time they heard that that powerful sermon was like all right this is what words can do to the body and this is what this is what this means um mm-hmm. do you did you find that when you started on your writing journey did you start out with the idea of religious writing or did you move to something different? I started with songwriting, actually. Ooh, all right, uh, cool, there we go. I, I feel like if I, I am Christian by like uh, a background, I think on a technical standards. Um, right. My family, they are African Methodist Episcopal. Uh, you know, so we're like that first uh, denomination of Christianity in the country, they stand by that. It is very right. ritualistic. Um, but it was the music that always got me. I feel like mm-hmm. that was my actual first religion. Um, things that music kind of could move. And so I aimed to be as fluid and convincing as music could be. Uh, and Black Church in itself is like a, a master class in like live theater every mm-hmm. Sunday. And so every Sunday you're kind of seeing like people do things for the first time, like that they've never had to necessarily encounter. There's crowd interaction. Uh, <laughs> there is always somebody new, somebody's like three-year-old, like singing a song for the first time. And all you hear if they get stuck is go ahead, baby. And like it's the, the spirit <laughs> of that. I wanted to kind of eventually keep something of that and keep something of that that was joyful that had that type of expansive understanding of connection and love and relationships right uh and i kind of aimed toward them poetry i think when i wasn't necessarily finding one in my life when i was like younger in middle school and whatnot and poetry kind of first so were the outside of the world of church then who were the uh who were the songwriters uh that you were listening to who what music were you listening to and uh, and when you did start writing, then who were you trying to emulate? Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> I definitely feel like there was a lot of Mariah Carey uh, at the beginning. It's all um, right. First CD I ever bought, Mariah Carey Unplugged, was the very first CD I ever bought. Nothing did not leave my CD very, player for years. So very nice album. <laughs> uh, mine was Mariah Carey, The Emancipation. We me. There you go. Um, first thing about my own money i remember sitting there like being like enamored and like how she put vocabulary words that were on my english test in song mm. and made it like like made it cool <laughs> made it sexy high key um and like did it in a way where it's kind of like you expect this with her she reads she understands prosody she understands time and rhythm and she's yeah. going to make sure that you understand how like this is going to be incorporated into a song about the hood and it was fascinating and i really loved it uh i feel like i i definitely emulated some of her uh i think some of the style and swagger of like uh john legend a little bit but for the most part i was listening to rappers a lot of rappers at the time um even though like i've retired some of like my uh lawyers and like vintage ti uh, Jay-Z, a lot of Jigga, a lot of Big Crit and Gucci, and they were showing a lot, you showing a lot of the Southern roots there. Yeah, like, it it was very (laughs) much that, like, uh, that's what we were listening to, we were trying to very much 
stay alive with that. Uh, at the time, necessarily, nobody in my particular school or anything was really talking about poetry. Right. Per se, we didn't know about brave new voices or any of that. Um, but we knew that poetry existed in music, and we knew that at least of nowhere else. I want to say Nikki Giovanni's Bronx Masquerade, which is mm. like a, a a middle grade novel in verse and about forty different voices. Yeah. I feel like that was like one of my first introductions, to like poetry in a way that felt like something that I wanted to try to to and bring closer to where I was at. So are there uh, as well. is there a mixtape lying around on your computer somewhere that we have uh, that we've yet to hear? So not quite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like I've been like every instance of a musical artist in some form or fashion. Any choral choir or like ensemble I've been in, I've done a lot of independent gospel things like in my youth and whatnot, just from trying to get some experience. Um, but I don't necessarily have a mixtape, but I do have like a self-published chapbook that I call my mixtape. Oh, there we go. So yeah. this actually brings up a bit, this is this harkens back to the early days of TPQ20. The first couple of seasons, I talked to a lot of people about that idea that like a chapbook is a mixtape. Like it really is. Yeah. Like it's it is an introduction to whoever this person is at that time. Um, you know, it it's not it's not the full, you know, you're not getting the full 72 minutes. You're getting, you know, you're getting 38 minutes of, of somebody's work that they've really culled down that they need you to hear now. Um, and I like that. I like that idea of, of like that chat book as a, as a mixtape. It's that single that we, or that single that we, well, I might be a little bit older. I'm a lot older than you, but that single no, that used to go by in the store. I like, remember that. <laughs> I know. Like that, like a very tiny LP, depending on the circumstance, or an EP. Uh, my uh, folks were a little bit older, so you know we had like singles that were literally the size of my head as a child. Uh, they pop in the the vinyl player and you oh, know, yeah. it was a good time. But <laughs> yeah, no, um, it, uh, but I mean, do you think do you think that there's a that there really is something to that idea that you know uh, the the chapbook can be kind of that that shortened mixtape or short story collection almost versus the collection that gets you that kind of full through line as a novel and everything. I think definitely. Uh, I definitely feel like it can. Um, I think the, the chat book is kind of like where you probably should be most experimental to be entirely honest, at least like while you're trying to figure out like things. Um, my chat book at the time, I wrote, I won't say I wrote, but I kind of compiled about a year after I graduated uh, undergrad. Okay. The graphic design major. Uh, and I was drowning. And the only thing that was keeping me alive was poetry. Mm. And my senior year, I remember like during the fall, I'd seen some folks write something for fun. And I'm like, I want to do that. I miss doing that. I hadn't written since about ninth, 10th grade. It had been about four or six years or so. Um, so I started writing over the summer and I started performing that particular fall. And I remember like I, I was everywhere. <laughs> like nice. trying my best to be like at an open mic at somebody's yep. lounge. Uh and I do know that I saw folks with nothing else. They had tiny little books, even the things that they would print from kids with like staplers, you know, they're printing yep. the day before. I, I was a graphic design major, so I was always printing projects to show for class, but yeah. 
I was kind of really fascinated by that. And I'm like, oh, it's even a mixtape. Like, that's really cool. I love that. Well, and then, so let's talk a little bit about the graphic design. Now, I've seen some of your work and it's, you're, I've seen some of the, especially the website design work that you've done and the images that you come up with on there are, are incredible. I can't remember who it was that was on here. I think it was this last season who you had just redone their website when I had, had talked with them. Um, I can't remember who she was at this point, but I remember that it was just incredible images and it was, it was the first time I had seen any of your work. And so that, that immediately got me interested in who you were as as a poet and an artist because i love i love poets who have other artistic endeavors um i talk to a lot of poets who uh who are photographers um and i always like that idea because i do think that there is that that similarity between that you know what the lens captures at that at that moment in time so for you where is that through line between graphic design and uh and poetry uh I feel like graphic design is very much like um, an evolution of illustration for me. I, I started with a, a pencil in hand. Uh, as soon as I could, I think not too long after I could speak, I don't remember ever not being able to draw or read. Um, but I was always drawing something and it, it just kind of kept to be a way that I kept documenting the world. I liked faces, I liked drawing people's faces. Um, but the other thing that I really loved was like the physical art of drawing letters. And so mm. Ooh. that and symbols and glyphs. And so I started like kind of quietly always trying to like design like a secret code or a secret language. Um, and every now and then I get like really close, but I couldn't necessarily get super <laughs> successful. I was also trying to like quietly like write a novel at like 10 or 11. So you know, I have these stories and these ideas. I'm trying to put them all down. I'm trying to get them all about. Um, but I think in college and like as I've kind of grown over the last couple of years, I've found that the three line is precision. Mm. I think I try to aim for like an organic type of precision. Um, one where if I'm cutting a poem or trying to like dissect or record a moment, I'm trying to get to the essence of it. How close can I get without disturbing it? Mm. Uh, maybe a bug's eye view if I can possibly get up under something. But I use design in a manner to kind of influence like my writing. Like I, I actually do design my poems like a graphic designer. So I'm kind of thinking about line breaks and like what'll yes. carry you through to the next line? Yes. What'll make you feel like this poem is kind of moving or like getting under your skin in a way. I'm mm. thinking about those types of things. I love that because for you, me, that that makes me feel like, you know, it, those great moments when you're watching a poet give a like a spoken word performance and you mm. want the page to mimic that sometimes. And I love that. Like somebody who is really into that idea of the line break, where, where are these spaces? Where are those natural pauses? Where are those breaks where you need to stop here and think for a couple of moments before you get to this next line? Like I really, I, I like that idea of, de of design as a page for poetry as well. Do you, do you ever move into like an aphrastic world where you're actually combining the two? All the time, all the okay. time. I feel like I'm almost always doing it. Uh, I have this one poem that ironically is about Mariah Carey that is not about Mariah <laughs> Carey. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a, a form idea or a form experiment that I'm playing is called a crosshatch or a double exposure mm. where I use a description of one work to describe another work. Ah. Um, so I used 
uh, the end of Mariah Carey's now especially new album, that song Fly Like a Bird, subscribe um, the winged victory of Samothrake hmm. and possibly describe the story of how it came to lose its head or its wings. Oh, God, that's awesome. That's amazing. I, I love, we're, we're in a really cool world these last about five, six years of people coming up with new forms and really just working them into the lexicon of poetry. I mean, so so that's really, really cool and really exciting that you're playing around with some things like that. That's super fun. Um, as we sort of kind of head toward toward the finish line here, uh, Orders of Service, Alice James yeah. Books uh, in 2023. First of all, congratulations, Alice James Books. Is, they're one of the best out there. Uh, so con- big congratulations on, on joining a great team over there. Um, my favorite question to ask about books lately is timeline. When was the first poem written to when was the last edit made? Okay. And are you, uh, are you at all the same poet as you were when, po- when word number one was scratched down on paper? Uh, <laughs> are you the same poet at, at, as you were when the, uh, when the final edit was sent in? I am definitely not the same poet. This work, I think, in part, I've been trying to write for the past seven years. Okay. Uh, so I feel like the first poem kind of happens in like 2015, 2016. Um, I remember explicitly writing a line, like trying to do like a, a Napo Rima for the month of April, trying to write at least every day for 30 <laughs> days, trying to get at least a little yep. bit of something out. And uh, I was stressed. I was working a, a, a weird job in the middle of nowhere uh, at the night shift, uh, basically at a background checking facility. And the only thing that I could do was like maybe swivel a line every day. But one of the first things that I wrote was a phrase that said, let him do his work. Um, that was kind of like the beginning of a, a poem that kind of meditated on uh, my grandma talking about rain and being quiet and how you're supposed to respect nature and God mm. uh, to allow him to do whatever he's doing while thunder is rolling and while like the rain Ooh. is like nourishing the earth. Um, all the while I'm thinking about that, you know, like my uh, my other grandmother is literally dying of breast cancer. So I'm trying to like kind of conjure all of that for at least a few moments of joy. Yeah. Um, the last poem, I think the last poem itself got written earlier this year. It happened kind of spontaneously. <laughs> uh, the last edit, about a month ago. All right. <laughs> I literally just sent it in. Hey, hey, that's not bad for a 2023 book coming out a month ago, uh, you know, looking in, in, in real time and not podcast time, you know, if we're sitting here in December, uh, yeah. that's not bad at all. So. <laughs> How uh, how do you think you've changed as a poet? I think I think I'm definitely more cognizant of my own agency. Mm. I think at the time I was trying to understand some of my own intersections a bit better and trying to understand like how to articulate my difficulties. Um, being black, being queer, being non-binary, being uh, working class and whatnot, and like first generation everything technically. Right. Um, and like trying to figure out, you know, at those intersections, there is a new type of person that you have to be for every difficulty and like what people do you become to get mm. to those places. 
And so I wanted to investigate more. I think before I did not know my own resilience, but I don't think I actually understood that I am, I say, hopefully romantic, but tragically self-aware. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I like that. That on, I think that's a perfect place to end this with today. We uh, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ Twenty. I I am quickly becoming a fan, more and more of a fan of your work. So I look forward to the release of your first book here. Well, I guess your first uh, your first full album, we could call it, if we've yeah. got our mixtape out there already. <laughs> So I'm super excited for this one. We're looking forward to sending more and more people your direction. And I look forward to seeing where you head next. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 with me today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of the night. You too. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.